not right. For those wedded to the machines in their bedrooms, their studios, their best friend's garage or basement. For those who negotiate with the system every day to make time for the music that matters. For those who get in debt to fund the fight against the mundane. For those who stay true to their cause even in the face of income and fame through compromise. For those who feel the power of every beat. For those who keep their minds open. For those who encourage and support those pursuing their personal dream. For those who sacrifice relationships to make sure the music is heard. For those for which the music is a lifetime, not a pastime. This is Bass Agenda. 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 is a message from Detroit. This is Adult. And you are listening to Base Agenda. agenda this month very excited to say we've got adult from detroit dominating the show new album just came out 20 years behind them electro and techno meets punk always challenging themselves and their fans really really interesting band and i'm pleased to say you're going to hear from both of them throughout the show Oh, 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 
is what you say might all be lies it's what taken from Detroit House Guests, Adult's new album that featured Douglas J. McCarthy from Notes Are Ebb. Going to be hearing a lot about that album shortly. For now, just going to blast through some adult material, get to know them a little bit. But don't forget, full track list will be up on soundcloud.com slash bassagenda, also via the iTunes feed over the weekend. like a, a chaotic blender of, of, of so many inspirations and I, we're also we try to be true to ourselves and yet we're completely reactionary we're extremely fortunate to have such loyal fans that take so many of these strange side streets with us uh, over the last 20 years I mean I think ultimately uh it's not always about the sound or the style of the music. It's more um, 
the ethos or the attitude, the function of what we are doing. And I feel like we're always out there sort of as the champion for the disenfranchised. So I think that's where a lot of the people that follow us follow us for that reason because, you know, we're speaking about um, life and all the... Um, From an outsider perspective. Yeah. Also, I think we, we have to grow every... It, there's a great quote from Woody Allen in Annie Hall where he says a relationship is like a shark. It always has to be moving forward or it dies. And I think I think adult has that's probably the best sentence I could come up with. If we're not growing, if we're not challenging ourselves, I mean, we just never want to repeat ourselves. I didn't realize it, obviously, when I was 15 and started my first punk band, but it was about being a contributor to that community that opened up my eyes and um, and also, kind of, I guess, kind of being part of the resistance of normality. It's a political act in a way. Yeah, I think for me, when I first met Adam and uh, went over to his, his place and he showed me his studio, didn't really understand synthesizers. I mean, I had grown up taking piano and knew that, but didn't really understand that. And I had always been more into punk music and Adam uh, played some Robbing Gristle and Cabaret Voltaire for me. And I was like, holy shit, I don't even, this is really like, I don't understand this at all. And then you know, kind of hearing this music and um, kind of listening to these synthesizers, uh, it was just like, wow, we like this is something I would love to do. But I had never, I was always a fan of music. I had never ever desired to be in a band. This is Anthony Roger and you listen to Base Agenda. I think it's important also to historically point out that 20 years ago, and this would have been 22 years ago, when 23 years ago when we met, you know, Google did not exist. Um, and Nicola grew up in the middle of nowhere in northern Michigan. I grew up in the middle of nowhere in central Indiana. And 
just the act of, of sharing tapes and, and learning, uh, you know, was, I guess I'm trying to, I, I could picture somebody listening right now who's younger and, and has not experienced the world without the internet, and that's not a ju judgment call at all. It's, I could, I could picture someone going, how could you have not heard of Throbbing Gristle? And it's like, there was a time that you could not find a Throbbing Gristle record in a small town. Well, you still can't, but <laughs> but you know what I mean. It wasn't an option. You, right, yeah, there you, wasn't access to it. Yeah. And I've always, I've always thought that that's partly uh, where, as you were mentioning, that we, that these are somewhat your words, that we had a unique sound, um, and that's what we strive for. I think it's because we had to piece so many bits together. Yeah. Right? had kind of a, a severe side to it. It's an industrial city. Um, so, and I mean, I think that even makes sense. You know, we identify with that and that's why we have better shows in other cities that are industrial and a little bit edgier, harder cities. Yeah, I mean, I tried to move to San Francisco in 1992 and I found the music so passive uh, there. And I went to a record store there and bought all these Detroit records. And I was like, what am I doing? Why did I? And I, I had to do it. It was, I was young. I hadn't put out a record yet. And 
it was that lesson where it was like, I love how hard the music is from Detroit and how passionate and individual. I mean, you take Underground Resistance and um, Drexia and you know, all these things had so such individual voice and, and a pioneering spirit. But man, those early, those early raves were so aggressive, like not, not in a violent way, no, but, but it, in a resistance way. I remember once going to uh, Dan Bell, right? And it was so hard that I, I, ha- I literally had to leave because I thought I was going to have a heart attack. <laughs> <laughs> album by adult Detroit house guests 
track called Stop and Start Again, featuring Shannon Funches and Adol are going to tell you all about the album next too. taken about three years to to it finally for it to finally arrive into the world um it's an idea we've had for a very long time and we were able to pull it off because we received uh some money from a foundation to kind of co-support it and then after you know after a year of sort of um, working with the foundation, then a year it took to get all the artists to come here. Then, much to our surprise, Mute was interested in it, and then a year for that. So it's been a journey. But yeah, I mean, it was an amazing experience and an exhausting experience because, you know, we become the hosts, we become uh, the engineers, and the collaborative third. So it becomes um, you're from the second you wake up to the second you go to bed you're on in some capacity which is great I'm not not at all a complaint but each, after each artist left it was time for a break <laughs> but there usually wasn't time for a break because then it was time to engineer the songs and get those sent off for approval and engineer the songs and clean the sheets for the next artist yeah for us, it was very important to sort of have this domestic situation um, occur because a lot of times, like you're saying, uh, people work remotely. They never actually make contact with one another or you go to a, a studio, you have a sort of studio environment. Um, and for us, we were really curious to see, you know, what does happen uh, sonically, but psychologically, to be immersed in this home situation. It's a very vulnerable situation to be in, and you're also together pretty much nonstop. And I think that was sort of the idea is to, you, you know, there's something different when you all show up in the studio, like somebody else's studio, but when you're in your house and you're in your house slippers and, you know, you're having breakfast together and whatnot, you are creating an atmosphere of trust and friendship that is quite different than uh, a fully professional experience, if you will. And on top of that, when you have that extra time together in a more casual setting and not in a studio setting, you know, those are when suddenly you're talking about like, oh, what about that one line if we just twisted it a little bit? Like maybe that would be more interesting. You know, those moments kind of pop up or maybe some song I lyric ideas come come up. I would say on the artistic side, it was very important to have people be in the home and it not be remote because in the early 2000s, Nicola contributed her vocals to a couple different artists and uh, one was Swayzak and a lot of people liked the song but for 
I remember Nicola being somewhat frustrated because when you're putting vocals on top, it's a completely different experience than when you're writing and molding the song from the ground up and you're there for every moment of it. And then we had a, se a separate experience with Death in Vegas where they had the best idea anybody's ever had for remotely working, where they wrote something really loose. loose very loose and then they sent it to us and said we want you to do a remix before we do the final song so we took all the parts decided what we wanted did a remix then they took the vocals and those original parts and structured them into a song and that one worked out really well uh, we feel so that was important too it was like we can't do duets remotely because everybody has to be in the same room yeah, I think it, it was uh, no preparation, arrive and get to work. Yeah, it was required, well, not required, but we didn't want people to come with sketches or anything so that we, because usually the first evening we would we would sit uh, in our library and just talk about like, so what are you into right now? What what are you listening to? What are, um, what are you watching? What are you reading? What are you, and then kind of go from there that it really was the whole creative process had to take place in this domestic experiment.
this is Billy Ray Martin and you're listening to Bass Agenda. I mean, I feel it's quite a, a journey in sound, almost like a narrative that's taking place. Um, and I think it's surprising how cohesive it actually does sound, you know, having six different musicians come in at different points through a year. Um, it, that wasn't necessarily our intent, intent for it to have a, a cohesive feeling, um, but, it, but it does. One of the amazing... One of the amazing things about working with uh, the foundation that awarded us the grant, they're called the Knight Foundation, they were clear in the contract that the grant was for the collaborative process and not for an album. So we had no pressure whatsoever to do this, and that was an amazing opportunity to have. I feel like as adults, it's this story of our 20 years up and coming 20 year career, which is our motto of DIYW, which is do it yourself wrong. And talk about a hard record to pull off in a live situation. <laughs> but yeah, logistically, it's extremely difficult. Dates are being worked out right now. Uh, a small tour at the end of, in the middle of summer, and then a longer tour in the fall. But the logistics of being able to bring anyone from the record is impossible because if if they're only doing say two to four songs well their fee is not going to be enough to you know justify it so it i don't think a lot of people think about it 
Nicole yeah. is t- telling, like, giving me a look like I'm nobody like, cares. I don't know if anybody really cares about that, but <laughs> the, the technical side of things. I think back when people bought records, this could have been something that could have been brought around because you could have, you know, put part of your expenses on that. But now it's like if all you're doing, if the only money you make is through a live performance and now you've got all this extra. Yeah. But it's just like, you know, our third album was all bass and guitar. And then, the you know, the guitar player and us split. And so it's like that album's nearly impossible to play anything off of there. And then this one, it's sort of what Nicola was saying. We always do something extremely difficult. But I said something like, I don't know what I said, but it was like, if you'd have told me three years ago that I was going to win a grant, do a collaborative album, and then go out and try to play it live, I would have said, no, that's not going to happen. So all through the entire process, we were never considering a live version of this. I don't think it's anything we consider anytime we're working on a song, but this one in particular is just like... Well, it's kind of like life. It's Well, life is also just problem-solving most of the time, so...
first guest was Douglas J. McCarthy, and uh, Adam and I are massive fans of Douglas, even though we've known Douglas for many years. So it was a little bit intimidating to have him into our studio. <laughs> and our last house guest was Michael Girard, who we are all also very big fans of and have known for many years. And by the time Michael uh, came, you know, the, the, the process was almost complete. And we it was kind of just this amazing feeling of like, wow, we're doing this, Michael's here, like it's beautiful. And I have to say the very last song that we wrote with Michael has a complete zen essence or feeling to it. And it is the actual last track on the album. And it, it's so wild to me how it just sort of sums up the whole process. And here is that gorgeous last track from the new album that Nicola was describing. As You Dream featuring Michael Girard.
you know, music can make you feel so many different emotions. And it's amazing how there's certain bands in your life that always sound good. No matter how you, you know, you could take like The Cure for me and, or PIL always sounds amazing. <laughs> always fits where I'm at, but. I was going to say for me, I know that, you know, growing up, I grew up in a very small town in uh, Indiana, and it's a very right-wing, conservative uh, area. And I I had a few good friends that, you know, we were all kind of going down that same path of like, I don't fit in. But music for me was, was, that was what it was. It was like, wow, there's people out there all the way in London and Rome and Japan that are... It gives you an identity. Yeah. Somewhere like that knowledge to know that there's other people out there that are kind of in this same. So, so for me, it was this my first sense of community. Right. I mean, I think it gives you it gives you some kind of empowerment, right? Of like something, purpose, motivation. It gives you. Yeah, it's like a sense of home. This is not a love song. 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 seventh grade I was fortunate that somebody gave me a handmade cassette tape that had 
PIL on one side and Dead Kennedys on the other. So that kind of blew everything out of the water that, wait, people don't, you know, sing perfectly. You know, I grew up with a bunch of girlfriends that they were very interested in, in emulating Debbie Gibson and Tiffany and uh, Kylie Minogue, although she did do some more. What, what was her kind of breakout track? So, you know, for me to... Uh, so that, you know, very life-changing moment to a young girl living in a, in a, in a non-existent farmland. You know, it's just always inspiring. It, you know, it's uh, that track, many tracks, um, really um, push you to just do good work and be a better artist. Hi, this is Lixus Vata, and you're listening to Base Agenda.
only a social obscenity. Underneath, they're all lovable.
So we're just working our way through uh, the various influences that got adults started in music, inspired them back in the day, and now fantastic eclectic mix of stuff. P.I.L., Cabaret Voltaire, Crass, Black Flag. Now it's time to get industrial. The mind-warping sounds of discipline by Throbbing Gristle. I mean, I think it sums up 
so much of the conversation we've been having, right? Uh, just about the severe nature of the song, the attitude, the energy. Um, it's one of those tracks that was, I'm certain, amazing when it was first performed then, and it, it still holds true today. I mean... Yeah, I mean, sometimes you watch live footage on YouTube and you're like, boring, and, you know, you can still watch discipline and it's just crazy it's yeah. just so the energy and it's, the intent yeah it's still it's to me it's one of those uh tracks and also live performances that the first time you watch it it's you know all it's just like you're in awe from it and then you you know 10 years later you come back to it and it's it's you're in awe of it like it's always good it's always inspiring. And, you know, that's, I think, very special. Actually, someone, you know, someone recently said to us, do you think music is as provocative these, these days? And I thought that was a very interesting question. Well, it is. A, I mean, it's obviously very complicated. But, I mean, I think in, in a lot of visual art and in music the past few years, it has their... I would say the trend has been to be more beautiful or uh, melodic, abstract, um, you know, lighter, lighter. Yeah. And I mean, for us, you know, it was really interesting to kind of the day Trump was inaugurated to just pull up uh, I'm Inclined to Vomit, which is a song we wrote in 2000 and a while ago and it was like fuck yeah this is today Uh, and you know I feel like for us it's kind of always been a mantra like yeah and it's always cyclical I mean we on on inauguration day we played Dead Kennedys and Crass all day and it was amazing how many of the lyrics were And that's why it inspired us to look up our own song and see how those lyrics had changed context. But, and hadn't at the same time. Yeah. And so, but that stuff came out of bad times. And, you know, Margaret Thatcher and Reagan and AIDS and so many things. Yeah, people people were angry and they were, you know, didn't, they were fighting for their rights. And I think... You know, we've had eight years of... It's seeming to get better, and yeah. then all of a sudden it doesn't, and you're in shock, and you're like, okay, it's time to fight again. And, you know, like I think I said something early on, you you still, you got to rest. So there's like, there was this little rest, and then it was like, okay, time to keep fighting. your mind to another level so good that's probably that's so multi-layered 
I'm, I think both Nicola and I are super inspired by vocals that are really sh just one phrase, but they're so catchy and powerful. Yeah, that fragment. Yeah, just that fragment that's like looping. And that even goes to discipline. I mean, there's not a there's not a long lyric sheet on discipline either. And um, and same, you know, we have some songs like "People You Can Confuse," and it's like that idea where uh, that's an inspiration right there. Uh, secondly, uh, what can you say? I mean, Drexia it says it all. And early on, we became friends with Gerald and. Um, he would come to our studio to do his final mix downs and one day he brought someone over and the guy wasn't particularly friendly and I said hey I said you know you're in my house and I you know I expect you to say hello at least and, and, and be polite and he was like oh, I'm sorry or something and I said what's your name and he was like James and I went wait are you telling me Drexia is in my studio right now and they were you know they were like yeah you know like no big deal but he was just shy and quiet and was just letting gerald do his work and um obviously that gave i'm not telling that as like a star struck moment which i was i'm telling it that <laughs> detroit in detroit i there's a real going back to that sense of community where just having these people just in your house and everything and then we got into really great conversations um and had a really uh, a nice time. Uh, it's it's about that. Um, what is it? It's it's that lack of ego, that um, that camaraderie. That uh, th that's a big in. You know, it meant a lot. Like, yeah. But aside so, aside from that, Drexy is just punk as yeah. can be. And it's you know it's like here is complete, you know, total electronics, and it is it's it's so. Tough. As someone that writes music, I mean, I tend to find I shift between like for a while I'm really obsessed with beats. Um, like right now, I'm we have a 808 that's been midied, and since the beginning of adult, we've really almost, except for the first couple 12 inches, we've always used the midi. On the new stuff we're working on now, like it's not out yet or anything, uh, just w right now, I decided I got totally obsessed with relearning how to use it and to do all the fills live and all that. So when something like that happens and then I go back and listen to Drexia, I'm completely inspired by how they use the 808. And that's something that I wasn't listening to with them, you know, four years ago. I may have been more obsessed with bass lines or you know what I mean? Like so always going back and you're and, and something else You're it, rediscovering it, another another layer. Yeah, exactly. And that's that's when you know it's really rich and complicated music.
Drexia here, of course. Take your mind. Another great track coming up. Visage Frequency 7, the 7-inch version. Futuristic, idealistic, money-saving object. All in one more ways than some disposable project. Uh, the 7-inch version is important to me over the 12-inch uh, version because it's a lot rawer and it has that um, it's sort of, uh, in a way, it's sort of a clumsy vocoder, um, but it's really powerful. I think when you have something that's not overproduced or it's raw and at the beginning of your career, it inspires someone young because you can kind of see the cracks and the blemishes and you say I can do this too but where you know 
If I was to put on The Cure's Disintegration as the first album and go, I'm going to do this. No, you're not. It's overwhelming. It's absolutely overwhelming. But something like that has that raw energy that gives you that inspiration of, I can do this.
first is the last track for the influences section of the show. Then we're going to slip into a few tracks that Adult have chosen from their career that they're particularly proud of making. As you can tell from their influences, they've got a nice diverse musical education behind them. And you can see they've put it to great use throughout their career. And as you'd expect, the tracks they've chosen next span a range of sounds, but still have that one magic adult ingredient. Keep Electro on your agenda at facebook.com slash base agenda. For years, always wanted to write a song that had two competing bass lines because it seemed impossible. Um, and I would constantly just drop an, like a bass line on another bass line, and it was always a train wreck. I mean, it, it should never work mathematically or whatever, music theory-wise. So for me, getting that song to work was, was two bass lines competing, and I really loved that tension. I just loved that little triplet moment in the kick drum because it was something I had been working on for years and had given up. And so it's just like this one little, it's like distilled it down to like the essence of what makes like a triplet work. And I think it goes back to what we were saying about uh, Drexia, the Drexia song and um, where it's in discipline. It's not many lyrics, but they're, I, I think I'm so impressed by her lyrics on that song. They're just so short and concise and... and it's uh, just the right amount of dork and sarcasm.
mean, I think, uh, you know, and we know how to have fun. I mean, those are, those are, it's like we love to make fast, danceable tracks, but we also love to make dirgy, mangled shit. And I think this is one of those tracks that... Um, I mean, just, yeah, I mean, I look back and I have no idea how we made that melody. I, it's... <laughs> I mean, I do know how because you can look back in, through your technology and find it. But it is one of those, you know, for us, we don't, we could never like, like the Pesh Mode compose their songs on guitar and then they, you know, transfer them to synthesizer. We could never work that way because the sound itself is half of the information. So right. that weird out of tune. The sound inspires the direction. Yeah. So if I was on a piano just doing that melody, like I can't even sing it. Yeah, it um, would just be so. It'd be so. It would just sound like Scott Joplin or something. But this sounds so nauseating and and, and putrid and sick and yet catchy. I also think that's one of the things I love about working with Nicola. I mean that lyric. It's like. We're getting the song coming together that's like the most dirgy we've ever done. And then she decides the main line is, we know how to have fun. And I just think that balance is really important. Uh, Although I want important. to set the record straight because for the last 20 years of my life, it seems that in any interview, rather whether recorded or in print, everybody thinks Adam is the only one that writes the music. And then I'm just I said both the of voice us. over here. I know. I appreciate it. You said it there. Foster, and you're listening to Base Agenda.
Next up, the sonic assault of RSX. Well, and I particularly love to play that song live. What I think I really love about that song is is kind of when people really want to peg us or put us in a box of this is adult. I feel like no, here here's RSX. Just go go listen to this and then reevaluate your what you're saying. <laughs> I remember it was particularly satisfying in 2013 or 14. Um, we were on the main stage of Movement, uh, the big techno festival here in Detroit. It was kind of, it, it, I like that about Detroit, where they put us on the main stage knowing damn good and well that we were not meant to be there. And then to play RSX in front of that audience, which I'm not, but that audience was, uh, the majority of it is there to hear four on the floor. Um, and that was a really satisfying moment. Yeah, to play it that loud. Yeah, and I, I re- I'll just always remember that memory because not only did it feel good because, you know, we're somewhat confrontational people, but then knowing that 
the organizers had your back and they not like hey what the heck you know play some techno we put you on the main stage it's, that's what I like about the Detroit spirit of a bit of a journey for us I think coming to that song it's so delicate and beautiful um, in many regards and powerful uh, I think it and you know it basically took us uh, maybe 15 years to get to, to to being able to make a song like that you know, it's like you hear about like the abstract painter that like distills their work down and then someone says, how long did it take you to make this painting? And the painter says, it took me my whole life. And those songs, I think it took us a, a certain um, Getting over confidence yeah. to, to be able to write those. Um, you, you know, you're vulnerable uh, anytime you do something a bit with a bit more emotion, quote unquote. Um, but I also think, you know, we had taken a rest. We had not put out an album since 2007. And here we were surprised ourselves back in the studio and having a really um, satisfying uh, experience. I don't know if there's anything autobiographical in there for Nicola, but for me, I always heard it like, for me, autobiographical, where I was like, we did, we, we rested and now, now we're back. Well, I think there was a lot of sadness on that record in, in general and a lot of um, contemplation and kind of questioning of, you know, who am I and what am I doing? There was some, some friends that were lost and new friends that were made.
like Adam and Nicola mentioned this track and I had to play it, one of my favourites as well. I'm inclined to vomit. show on adult without mentioning their label of course Earthsats audio been taking a break for a while now but they described it to me as sleeping not dead always championing some great great underground music here's solvent and scan from with expect delays following that we're going to get into a couple of tracks that adult have chosen that have impressed them over the last year or so Thank you. 
have separate things we do as artists, but we also collaborate, of course, as visual artists. Inspiration comes from working back and forth. Um, like, for example, last month we did a, a, a performative piece that included video, live instrumentation. I vacuum cleaned and uh, I decorated a vase. You know, that kind of stuff inspires maybe new music making. I think also both of us growing up in suburbia and, and really uh, not liking that culture uh, have always tried to, to make sure that we're not comfortable in every way. So even going on the road, I mean, sometimes it's really hard, but it pops you out of routine. And, and if you're on the road too long, I've seen it with other musicians too. If they're on the road too long, they get into another sort of comfort routine. So it really is about purposely not getting into your comfort zone too, too long. Every Zeno and Oaklander song, not every, but you know, there's such a, a syncopated urgency to all of their songs. And I find that, and I, you know, like I said, we, we, we love their music and play it all the time, but that song in particular, it's almost like you need 20 minutes to be able to really calm down and get into all the layers. Ooh, I just think it's such an impressive song. It, it bridges the gap between synth pop and Steve Reich. Um, uh, they put on a fantastic live show. We just played a festival with them about three weeks ago, and they're just incredible. Just having uh, the the music be so so fast and, and and stabby, and then Liz's vocals to come in and and, and do these washes that, that just counterpoint that so well. It's kind of like it pulls pulls the music up, or it's something. The music's very visual.
This is Dirk Dadava from the Neon Judgment and Neon Electronics. You're listening to Base Agenda. Liars is probably one of our, you know, top favorite contemporary yeah, bands because they share I, I, the same ethos as, as us and a lot of the bands we love. It's like you don't know what the next album's going to sound like. Um, they're always challenging themselves yeah, and the audience. Yeah, it always sounds like Liars, but I feel like they exactly. I just it just it's just such a a, a, a brave, strong lead track I love that that it's the lead track and it just starts with you know eat my face eat my socks <laughs> like it's just <laughs> it's, yeah it's so abstract yeah, uh, it's, it's so really absurd tough. I think absurd is a really really great word for it but then tough but and like you said monstrous like yeah. it is just like it's just like grinding it's almost like a bit painful <laughs> take my pants off Use my socks. Smell my socks. Eat my face off. show two hours flies by when the music's this good love and thanks out to adult for taking part in the show it was a personal highlight to do this show been fans of theirs for a long long time when adam emailed me i had to pinch myself a couple of times before i replied huge respect to them hope the new album does well remember detroit house guests out now on mute vinyl cd and digital release thanks for listening have yourselves a great weekend i'll be back next month Cheers. <laughs>
Thanks again for checking out Andy on the Base Agenda Show.